Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. Hello, welcome to Asia Tech Podcast. This is episode one of In the Making with Nishita Mehta and Graham Brown. Nishita, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Graham. This is exciting. This is episode one of a new adventure, a new journey for you. So what we're going to do is we're going to give a little background so the listeners can get familiar with Nishta if they don't know you already. Sure. And those that do know you already maybe want to dive a little bit more into your background. And also, what are we going to talk about on this podcast? What's the goal of In The Making? In so, The Making. In The Making sure. with Nishta Mehta. Nishta, it's great to have you on the podcast. We met, well, it's a few weeks back in Shanghai, I believe. It was right. uh, two or three weeks ago. And... Um, one thing I was really impressed by was that you you had such an experience in Shanghai. You'd been there, what, 13 years, I think? of all Absolutely. The... 13 plus, yep. There was an interesting story there as well. So you came from India originally. You came from Mumbai, is that correct? Absolutely, Mumbai, yep. And you had, well, what I thought was really inspiring about your story is you had quite a comfortable existence in Mumbai, right? You were doing really well in the the creative industries. You were working for, was it Ogilvy that you worked for before you came out to Shanghai? I can't remember. But... Yes, Ogilvy in Mumbai. So things were going really well, but you then decided to up your game, step outside your comfort zone and you came to Shanghai. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that journey and what all that was about first. Yeah, I think me and my husband, uh, when we met in uh, Mumbai and we got married, we were pretty clear that uh, we want to experiment. And that was the time to experiment and get out of a comfort zone and try something beyond, let's say, just Mumbai. We had not planned Shanghai as such, but definitely we had planned, Hmm. uh, let's try something new. And whoever gets the first job uh, moves. And he got it first in Shanghai. We had no clue. We never did a recce which is a luxury in today's world. (laughs) And we just landed. Obviously, I followed him. um, And I was so confident that, uh, oh, I'll just leave Ogilvy in India and I'll get a job in Ogilvy in Shanghai. Mm. Uh, I was confident, uh, but it soon shattered. Um, Obviously, because of uh, language competency and other uh, reasons, um, I wasn't really accepted in the first one or two months. And that was... I call a reality check, Mm. a failure, let's say, you know, Uh, failures are not only about big failures, you know, even these are important. And that was a jolt. I was like, I Mm. am not getting a job. (laughs) I literally, and then I said, no, I don't give up. I don't want to give up. And I didn't get a job in what I was doing in Mumbai, which is in brand management and advertising in Shanghai. So I said, let me pivot. Let me try what's out there. And I proactively reached out to the other department of Ogilvy, um, asked them, give me a brief, give me something that I can work on and show you that I could add value uh, to CRM and digital, even if I didn't know much. They gave me the brief. I had 24 hours to work on it. And I went the next day, presented, and I got the offer right on the table within one hour. Well done. Good for you. So... I think I failed and I tried to pivot yeah. and I was I was okay to fail again, but I had to try. Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at ATP.show. Let's put all that into context. So you, I mean, you and your husband, both successful, both from 
India. It wasn't mm-hmm. the sort of the de facto career path, was it, to go from Mumbai to Shanghai? I mean, that must have been quite rare compared to, for example, a, a lot of your peers probably would have done gone the other way. They would have gone from Mumbai maybe to London or to America, for example. So going to China and then going through all of that, when you were going through that process, that was, you know, you're in the making, I suppose, in a way. Were you, were you sort of, I know you said you were confident, but were there any sort of times when you were doubting what you were doing? Like, can I actually do this? I don't speak Mandarin, don't speak yes. Shanghainese. What was going through your head at this time? <laughs> Absolutely. As I said, I was confident while I was in Mumbai. Okay. But you within in Mumbai? a month, yeah, within a month when I reached Shanghai, I had a reality check and my right. confidence was shattered. I do admit I used to cry every single day for three weeks. And I was right. like, should I just go back? Uh, I didn't know anybody in Shanghai and uh, things were very different. I'm mm. a hardcore vegetarian. Uh, food was a nightmare in China. Can you speak and any Chinese when you came here? No, absolutely zero. And it was starting actually in the making, starting absolutely from scratch. But that was the opportunity. I was like, no, we can try to make it work and uh, mm. let's try and uh, that's how it started and I do admit that time I didn't know anybody in my Indian network or anybody in my entire worldwide network who was tra- who was actually leaving India uh, to find work in China and people discouraged us a lot of people including mm. in our family Shanghai who has heard anybody from a family going to Shanghai go to yeah. New York go to California mm. <laughs> like no we want to go to the unknown you know and and try to find um, and make a making um, of what we could do. Mm. Uh, I know you said at the time you didn't know anybody. And let's go back a little bit. So you moved in, was it 2005 you moved to Shanghai? 2005, 2005. Right, a very different Shanghai to what it is today as well. I mean, a lot more cosmopolitan, a lot more international today. But you moved there in 2005, you didn't know anybody. Your husband was working. So I guess, you know, you were, he had his sort of work colleagues as well. And you were kind of on your own having to make your own thing. You know, that must have Absolutely. been pretty tough. I, but now, I mean, let's put this into context. You know, everybody. I mean, everybody knows <laughs> you. So what happened? Yeah. What, what happened in that time? Did you consciously go out and network? Or did you have a sort of philosophy about this that, you know, you think made you successful in building your network in Shanghai? Yeah, I, so I want to correct myself and I say I didn't know anybody, I didn't know anybody locally, but I was lucky enough to have three other colleagues from Ogilvy in Mumbai for different reasons to move to Shanghai. And that was the best part, you know, so three different colleagues, I was the fourth one, moved from Ogilvy, Mumbai. So at least I knew remotely somebody, some people in Shanghai, but everybody was working, they had their different reasons. So in a way, I didn't know any local. And the only thing I used to do that time, I didn't have my computer because the shipment had not arrived. So I used to save money, coins, to go to an internet cafe. We don't see any internet cafes in Shanghai now. Yeah, I used to save two RMB uh, and go to the internet cafe so I can chat with my family and friends. And I used to go to the Shanghai library. And it was quite lonely. It was very lonely. And that is the thing about in the making entrepreneurship Mm. or going to a new city is lonely and I think you need to get out and you know I think it was very interesting Mm. that I am a very curious person by nature so I would like to strike a conversation so let's say I was sitting in a library and somebody was sitting next to me and uh, reading something interesting or you know I could strike a conversation to ask for advice where else can I go what else can I do and that's how it started 
and then as i said i pitched proactively to ogilvy in digital and crm and i got the job uh, in my third month Mm. So that's how the journey started of networking and um, and building my network. Yeah, yeah, it's tough, though, isn't it? I mean, when you talk about in the making, I suppose it's a good opportunity to talk about what we're going to talk about or what you're going to talk about on this podcast in coming episodes. Is that that whole sort of process of moving from one country to another and taking yourself out of a comfort zone and into some very unfamiliar territory and being confident that you can do it and you know, going through a lot of challenges. It's very similar in a way to startup life, isn't it? There's a lot of parallels with that. And I suppose, you know, that it's not often talked about, is it? Because we see startups as very glamorous. Yes, I, and that's that's the concern I have with the word startup. People always think startup is this small independent entity. Mm. But essentially starting up is in any context, right? It's starting up in a new job, in a new situation. Even while I've been in Shanghai for 13 years, every couple of months I feel I'm starting all over, starting really? up. Do you have like, yeah, a, because, you know, like examples of that? Do you get challenged on a regular basis? Is it like culture shock or what? <laughs> no, because you do have moments where things might not go right yeah. or, or in fact, I would even say from a positive perspective, you know, you see an opportunity, let's say, uh, let's say this podcast, that's an amazing example. Yeah. Uh, I would love to amplify and bring new stories of other um, in the making stories of other Asian leaders, other entrepreneurs to the show. And I proactively uh, reached out to you, if you recall, and I said, mm. this is a great opportunity. And why don't we do this? Mm. Yeah. And so I think this is also an example. So it is not always about starting up in a negative way. Starting up is also in a positive way. You have to be an opportunist. Right, right. And I'm an opportunist. And I believe there are millions of other people who are. And hopefully in the making will give a voice to many, many of them. Yeah. And you have to step up, don't you? This is an important part of it. Because I think one thing that's inspiring about you and your story, Nista, and I'm sure people who know you feel this, is that you step up. So, you know, what I mean by that is if there's an opportunity, sometimes people look around and say, well, who's going to do that? Who, who's, you know, who's qualified to do this? Oh, nobody's picking me to do this. And that could be, for example, starting a podcast. But you have that ability, which I don't know if it can be learned or it's kind of natural to you. Is You say, OK, I'll do that. You know, everybody's kind of looking around to see who's going to take the mic, if you like. But you'd step up right. and do it and pick yourself. And I think that's such a powerful skill to have in, st in the startup world in any aspects of business, right? And it doesn't necessarily yes. come naturally to Asians, does it? I mean, Asians are very broad brush, but <laughs> you know what I mean? I think, yes. I believe it is part upbringing, part DNA, but part also how you build that mindset. You know, I think it's something like a muscle memory. You exercise to build your muscle, right? Mm. You do meditation to strengthen your mind so i think this is also a resilience or not giving up or rather saying go for it is also something you can practice and build that muscle uh, and i do believe in that mm. and failure that's something let's talk about that yeah, as well because so, that's a kind of important part of all of that isn't there absolutely i do believe that our industry is talking and sharing so much about successes mm. uh, and how people get inspired by success stories but come on who doesn't fail right. or who doesn't fall every other day or every other you know uh, scenario and we don't even talk about that i was testing i mean a 
across the past two or three years, I went through all the possible conferences, talks, articles, media sharing on global network or China or India or Southeast Asia. And I would say, what, 1% of conversations or content or topics or panel discussions are around failures. Mm. And come on, people learn so much more. Mm. So it's very interesting. This morning when I woke up and the first thing after sending my son to school, I was going through news and updates. I read a very interesting quote and I want to share the quote here, Graham. Yeah, please. You have to learn how to fall. You have to learn how to do a safety roll too, (laughs) how to slide on your knees, how to protect yourself so you can get up and try again. Mm. And I absolutely resonate with it. So it's not just like you accept to fall, but it's also important how to protect yourself and get up and try again. Mm. What do you, I mean, from your experience, you've obviously put yourself out there. So you've doubled your failure rate. And as as a result, you've doubled your learning rate. How how have you sort of learned to fail? What sort of do you feel from all that? You've put yourself out there to be beaten up by the world, haven't you? But you've kind of come out of it so much better. You know, like going to Shanghai was tough, I imagine. But you've come out yeah, of it. Yeah, but come on. I feel I'm nothing. I see all the interesting people coming from all over the world to China. And uh, I get inspired by them too. Right. I So going back to your earlier, earlier question, in the making, right? Let's just talk about very quickly what in the making hopes to cover in the coming episode. So it's going to be like niche host series with Asian leaders or entrepreneurs uh, and not just startups, also from corporate world uh, or tech industry. So the whole idea is to explore, uncover, and bring to light in the making backstories, right? Uh, what they have built is not a job done. It is very much in the making. We often mm. talk about how it's built and all the success. What I believe people would love to hear and get inspired and amplify is the exclamation marks, the commas, the question marks, the spaces, the celebratory full stops, because it continues. It's Mm. in the making. Mm. The person is in the making. The product is in the making. The service is in the making. And what's coming up next? So you'll be surprised to hear about a lot of interesting people coming on the show. I'll uh, share more in the coming few weeks through our network. You know, I mean, I'm listening because you're, you're, you spend a lot of time with corporates and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some of the, well, people will be very familiar with the kind of companies you work with, companies like Starbucks, et cetera. I mean, up, you're obviously going to introduce us in time to the kind mm-hmm. of projects that you work on. And mm-hmm. that whole idea, like you say, in, in the making, it's always job not finished. It's always ongoing. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's constant. The challenge there is that, I mean, I haven't worked in the corporate world for many years, Nishta, so you know it better than anybody else. You consult to mm-hmm. these guys. Is to, do they get that naturally? Because I, I can imagine in, in large corporates, the the natural tendency is to get the job done and then like check it off. You know, that whole sort of like, you know, we're constantly living in this world where everything's failing all the time. You know, it's kind of like this constant split testing of everything that we're doing. How, that must be a real challenge because, you know, people are trained in a way which is kind of against in the making, if you like. <laughs> no, I think uh, things are changing very, very fast, especially if I take an example of Asia and within Asia countries, uh, emerging markets, especially China, where I'm based, although I work across uh, Asia and the world. But 
in China, the speed is unprecedented. You know that. You were here a few, year, yeah, few yeah. weeks ago. So I think corporates are quite, quite nimble. They're changing. Mm. At least the people I work with. And that's the challenge I accept uh, to work with them. I come in as a lean innovation coach and work, get my hands dirty and work together to build capabilities, to bring that mindset change. And I think there are many, many different uh, approaches uh, companies are taking to uh, be in the making, you know, whether it's, um, you know, responding to new product development within a month and go to market mm. or, uh, you know, plug in place. So one of the things I do with Collapse Central, uh, the consulting I run is it's not a company as such. It's a mindset. It's a way of working collaboration. So just because you are in a marketing department doesn't mean you can't be part of an R&D new product development, mm. let's say. Or if you're working for X company, it doesn't mean that you can't actually lend your ideas to B company. And I'm on the mission to gather more people in the network to work in an open source manner, mm. you know, plug and play. So whether it's through means like hackathons, through open source workshops, but there are so much of talent across the network and nobody needs to be fixed to contribute your talent and great ideas to only one company. Mm. So I open, I often uh, bring in a lot of external outside in view into corporates. And I'm very glad to say that at least the, the folks I work with leadership and different talent across the organization, they are pretty open. Uh, and we are on an interesting ride, mm. you know, uh, like you say, you, you talk about a mission, you talk about bringing people together. And in a way, you're mm -hmm. joining, joining the dots within organizations and also with organizations and their partners as well in the network. And well, what's it like when I'm curious that sort of moment when you bring people together where, you know, you have this person in R&D and this person in marketing and this person in sales and this person in retail. And you, you kind of bring those people together in your projects and they've never, mm -hmm. ever worked together. They're always, you know, OK, they shunt their work down to us on the value chain. That's sort of a traditional way of working, isn't it? But you're now you're bringing these people together. That must be really interesting because you're in a way doing what an organization can't do by itself, you know, by design in a way. And what you're doing must, I'm curious to how sort of all that comes together. Is it magical or people sort of like hard to work together or how does that go? No, I think there are two factors. One, if it's internal, even they are not working day to day, but they are familiar with each other. It's not like they don't know. So let's say an R&D and a marketing or insights team, they know each other, they work, but they might not be working the same way on the new project, the way they are working day to day. So that makes it easier. But yeah, the interesting part is further more when external folks come in, let's say you have six internal task force team, task force team, and then you I kind of assemble four from external, right? Mm. And then it happened like 10 together. And then the chemistry has to be striked. So I put an effort on two things. One is to hear them. I think very often consultants or partners who come and work with corporates jump to giving advice or jump to uh, giving a lot of recommendations. So what I avoid and what I do is trying to really deep dive on what's your challenge. Let's frame it. Let's continuously ask why, why not? Frame it with them. And probably that's my skill set. I make it look like, the second thing is I make it look like it's their idea. It's their baby. Mm. It's not mine. So what happens, the ownership starts very early. The accountability and ownership is with them. 
right and the number 3 is gamification it almost try to gamify the whole program or the whole approach so they feel a part of it uh it's not being told to them from top down you do it this way mm. they feel part of that right so i think these are some some of the very few learnings i've had so especially in china my biggest thing is never tell them what to do mm. you know you just find a way to make it feel and look like yeah it's there right. obviously i give my opinion and i guide them but it's not about me it's about in you know fusion that must be a skill though right i mean it sounds quite basic but i think you have to kind of i don't know how you do it but obviously you do it very well make it a sound like it came from them you kind of set it up for them or how does that work yeah there were i think we can deep dive more in the coming episodes <laughs> but there are different different ways i right. i treat that's also part of my uh, you know uh, value right uh, so i really believe in the whole notion of co-creation that's fundamental with collapse central and with, with nishtha uh, co-create whether co-create with customers co-create with partners and um, interestingly last week one of my clients said in chinese and i'm not able to pronounce it very well but uh, basically she said their perception of me one of the positive things they think of what i can add value sometimes is um firefighting mm. <laughs> that's one of the things i was like i never thought of myself like a firefighting person but mm. like they said if we have a problem and we don't know which direction to go or what re- or what resource or what tools to find to solve it we know you'll we can ask you and you'll find a solution and that's right. true I am I have no qualms to accept if I don't know something I will I will first accept oh I don't know this but let's find out so I never take no as a no there's always a yes in a no so let's mm. find out interesting so when you look at the 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 kind of people that you're going to get on the show like the leaders that you want to interview across Asia mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. What you, you talked about firefighting, you talked about co-creation. What sort of qualities are you looking for in in the people out there that you want to get on the show? Yep, very interesting. You know, so there is one thing which is very close to my heart, my passion, um, and I'm hoping. I believe a lot of entrepreneurs and starting up mindset people have that. Whether you're in a corporate or a or a tech company or a startup, mm. it's about committing to the uncomfortable, and yeah. you know, so. people who commit to the uncomfortable they are op- they are open to accepting that things might not go exactly the way it is they're in the making but they are on a mission to build something to build something to create something in the benefit of the society of the people it's about others we are on a mission on this planet we are born for a purpose i genuinely believe it and there are millions of people like me who believe we are not just here for nothing Hmm. you know so we are here to enable other people and i'm looking to talk to some very very interesting people and if anybody wants to join in the making show with nishtha with us please reach out um especially if you are trying to build something to enable the future leaders the future hmm. talent uh solving big problems in our society so i'll be bringing a lot of and talking to a lot of interesting people hmm. across asia from india to malaysia to china uh to to hong kong to uh, singapore and especially even small towns i plan to visit to mm. to see what are those whether it's non-profit whether it is a co-working space whether it's a big corporate brand or a fashion brand everybody has committed to the uncomfortable you mm. know which helps crush fear 
it humbles your spirit you know and it clears your path it's right. a catalyst for progress so i'm looking for people who are fired up with passion and accept that things are not perfect and they want to continuously be in the starting up mode to build something to make this world a better place mm. this is exciting and i think as well it's worth sharing with the listeners what that is because i'm I'm sure that some listeners may, when they hear your words, Nista, think immediately in the terms of like the World Economic Forum or TED <laughs> Talks. You know, it's quite a, a, it sounds very grand to many people, I'm sure. That, okay. Right. I'm not one of those people. Like you're talking about people, you know, leaders, enabling a generation of leaders. You know, we default to the leaders that we see on TV, the politicians, the, you know, the, the big names in our lives. But I feel as well that, okay, there's part of that, but there's a big part of the story where the, there's a lot of untold stories about leadership that you're, you know, you're sort of going to reveal to us in a way. Because like you say, going to the small towns as well, th these aren't necessarily people who are out there promoting themselves and talking. They're just getting on and doing this stuff and enabling leadership because it's what yes. they do, right? Yes, I can correct myself. I think I reflected on what you said. I'm not by any means trying to talk to only the very famous people or politicians or actors. No, uh, absolutely not. I think those stories are covered. A lot of other people are talking about what I feel there is a gap and what's missing is really the untold stories of entrepreneurs who might be making a difference uh, to poverty, for example. You know, there's a huge issue of poverty in India and I can't reveal the names right now, but you'll hear soon um, on Asia Tech Podcast and on across the network. And this, I mean, this organization is actually trying to give back to the society to build skills, to bring people out of poverty. That's one, you know. Mm. The other totally different angle is like this whole revolution of co-working space. Mm. Uh, people don't have to work in a fixed space. That's change management, right? That's... Uh, people who have great ideas to say, let's work differently. So I'm trying to bring that story, which people don't know how actually co-working space by one of the leading co-working spaces built it um, and totally pivoted their business model um, and, and grew that. Mm. So that's the other angle, right? Wow. That's, so that's you'll, you'll hear more about that. Yeah. In a way as well. I mean, remember when we go back to Shanghai when we met and we sat around that table and everybody was, you know, enjoying having a chat and we had yourself there. We had Kapil. We had, uh, who else? Did we have Jasper from Xnode. Mm -hmm. We had Vincent Jen, Carmen Wang. Um, I think I've got them all. But what was, in, what was really interesting about that story was that you talk about the getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. When, when you sort of live in a world like Shanghai or you've moved to Asia from anywhere and you're surrounded, you, you know, you're naturally gravitated towards people who've done similar things in your life. You, you kind of look around and you see that, okay, this is just normal. You know, like I'm sitting next to somebody who, you know, came from a different country, they left everything and, the, you know, they, they threw themselves into the deep end and then overcame the challenges. And you sort of take all that in and you kind of, I, I, what's the word I'm looking for? You get used to that. And in a way, you kind of forget that you're quite unique. That's 1% of the world, if you like. And these people have some amazing stories that, you know, so to your point about going out and, you know, co-working spaces or what's going on in India or the small towns, there are so many amazing stories out there which are uncovered. And I think one of the, the challenges is because for them, 
it's just what they do or it's normal or they're surrounded by people who do that mm-hmm. all the time, right? We kind of forget mm-hmm. how amazing some of this really is. Absolutely. And, you know, everybody has different strengths. So they might be on their mission, but there are people like us, Graham, including you, I believe, who want to help them to bring their stories to others so more can get inspired. Not just inspired, they might want to help them, you know? So for me, I'm on a mission, I believe, to relook at the way we are learning in our industry. Uh, very often when we see JDs and, and people looking for jobs and everything is like, oh, you should have X, Y, Z skill. Come on. The world is changing so fast. Mm. How do you expect me to have all these skills? So there's something I do. I can just share an example. Um, I call it burst the balloon exercise. Hmm. It's an exercise I practice for myself. It sounds very philosophical, but it's actually, it works. So it's almost like you have a balloon, full-blown balloon, right? And essentially, you have to burst it. You should start with bursting it. Mm. Don't let it fizzle out. So you might think things are going well. So for me, what I do as an exercise to keep me on a reality check is burst the balloon. (laughs) Realize that things are perfect, but it shouldn't stay perfect. Don't be in the comfort zone, right? We are here on a mission to help other people and to help them up their game, up their skills. Mm. So I burst the balloon. I feel better. Okay, yeah, you know what? I need to... What I'm doing is great, but I need to get into, let's say, artificial intelligence. I don't know jack shit about machine mm. learning. Mm. That's fine. I'm not from math, science background, but I will want to get my hands dirty. And that's what I'm doing. And what I do in that exercise is something called is budding up with the uncomfortable. Budding mm. up. So what I've learned is that don't just try to go and talk to expert in machine learning, let's say, or artificial intelligence to up my skill. I want to find somebody who is also comfort- uncomfortable like me, who mm. doesn't know but is eager to learn. So I've realized in my exercises, when you buddy up with the uncomfortable, somebody who's also not into that area of skill set, and you try to work together to say, you know what? Let's try to up our skill. Let's try to learn more. Let's try to see what we can do this and mm. build some use cases for our clients or for our new services. And that mission and the learning curve with the other person being uncomfortable as well, then bringing in the other experts and 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 you know sometimes it's like i'll do it for free i'm not trying to earn money here i just want to go and volunteer my time mm. so i'm working with a startup right now which is in machine learning and ai and all of that and i said i just want to volunteer my time we'll do a value exchange me and this other person we just want to come and spend time we'll help you on your marketing we'll help you pro bono for uh, other stuff but you let us be part of your journey so we can learn from you mm. and the that exercise for me is really, really important because I purposefully volunteer 20% of my time average in a month. I track it for last three years or four years. For 20% of my time, I volunteer. And the purpose of volunteering as a mentor or as learning is value exchange where I offer a value to the other person, but in turn, I learn. So that's another way of keeping myself fresh and mm. up upskilling myself all the time and that's the mindset i want to bring to other people right right i can vouch for this as well about you and if i can share this with the listeners that it's quite easy to be a consultant and talk but you walk the walk as well and i'll put this into the you know the well let's go back and talk about the 
just very briefly about the podcast itself is that when we met, mm-hmm. we had that sort of brief conversation about podcasts. And then, you know, the, the idea came up that wouldn't it be great if you started a podcast because you are in this position where you have a very big network, you're accessing lots of stories, you're a great storyteller yourself, etc. However, technically, you weren't there yet. I mean, podcasting is, is a lot of work. We had to talk about microphone right. setup and so on. And I kind of, you know, we went through it and I, I told you, like, you know, I, I say, sorry, not the right words. I shared with you my, <laughs> my information, um, but kind of expecting to put you off a little bit, right? Because I was right. expecting you to say, oh, no, that sounds really technical. I'm not going to bother. It sounds like engineering. But to the listeners, I can vouch that this just stuck with it, didn't give up. And, you know, I just said, okay, well, you know, have a look at this microphone and so on. And then next time you spoke, you said, I went and bought the microphone. It's like, wow, you actually got off your ass and you did it. So, you know, it was quite uncomfortable because you have to talk to people about, you know, audio engineering is a completely different world to everything. Yeah, I'm scared. I do admit anything with lots of wires and everything, despite I'm a techie uh, by interest and work. But if you ask me to fix and set up the entire like a podcast mini studio kind of thing in my office space in my house right now, I'm speaking from, oh, my God, when I looked at the entire box (laughs) of career, I was scared. Right, and the back and, and forth conversations yeah. we've had about setting it up. and But you just stuck, stuck with it. I was really impressed. I have been really impressed. And I'm sure that's going to come through in your podcast as well because, you know, you really do do this. I mean, it's small things we're talking about, but I think small things often are a good indication of the bigger picture, right? You know, how you, you sort of apply that to the smaller things in your life. So this is going to be an exciting journey. So do you want to round us up and sort of, you know, put the call out there for what you're going to talk about in coming episodes? Absolutely. Yeah. In the making. So we would uh, be talking about the utter pains, the delicious gains, the smart Uh decision making choices (laughs) that is enabling lots of interesting entrepreneurs, uh, corporate entrepreneurs, um, hustlers, visionaries, obviously normal people. Don't worry, no politicians, no actors, (laughs) but really a lot of people who are building, as I said, building and creating and failing at the same time. But bringing something to help other people, to help either environment, to help uh, upskill other people, to save, you know, to something in the betterment of the world. And I think that's very important. And I'm on a mission myself to build capabilities and new skills in, in the generations coming up. So look forward to in the making. We'll talk a lot about failures as well. That's going to be the key about in mm. the making, not just success stories, but... Sure failures and pivots and and how people are coming out of it and actually taking a U-turn or taking a whatever turn to make mm. something big out of it. Yeah. Committing to the uncomfortable. Committing to the uncomfortable in the making with Nishtha. Welcome. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.